0: It's free Forum Friday time here on unscripted with Mike and Chris, as we welcome you to episode number 362 of unscripted, a nice way to end a week of shows. Chris, as I said, uh, probably about a 250 times now, at least, uh, Chris goes on to our Twitter page at, uh, UnscriptedMC, unscripted MC, uh, finds things that people are talking about, twittering about, uh, he brings them up. We talk about it. We move on again. Chris uh, thought about this quite a while ago, and it's been a great way to end the week as we try sometimes to get out of a little bit of the wonderful and wacky world of sports and talk about weird people in the world or weird things that are going on, and we try to expand our boundaries sometimes outside of the wonderful and wacky world of sports. Having said that, I bring into the program the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Fluke.
1: Thanks, Mike. Onion Sports Network at Onion Sports. Norfolk Tide's third baseman sent down to Baltimore Orioles. (laughs) You know, as
0: we sit here on this day, and um, June the 29th, I believe it is today, um, the Baltimore Orioles have 25 wins. That's where they are right now. Tomorrow's game for a lot of teams will be their 81st game of the year. So that puts them at the exact halfway point of the season. Back a couple episodes ago, I made mention that the Baltimore Orioles, uh, biggest day on their calendar for the season is the June amateur draft. Uh, And now that they've passed that and they got the first round pick, the first overall pick this year, they will certainly be in line to be in contention to be for the number one draft pick next year as well as it promises to be another long year in the city of Baltimore. I don't even know. I don't even know. Maybe you know. I don't know. Uh, Buck Showalter was the manager there for years. I don't even know who the new manager is for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, Manny Machado was in Baltimore last week with his new team, the San Diego Padres and about 12,000 people showed up at Camden Yards. So it's going to be a long long year in the city of Baltimore in regard to baseball. They can't, they've got to be very excited that we're about 65 days away from the start of the national football league season, especially in the city of Baltimore. That's all i got oh, okay that's all I got. <laughs> okay.
1: all right uh okay so there's a ufc fighter named tj dillashaw he was, oh you've,
0: you've introduced me to him yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah
1: so he was busted for juicing a oh, little while Jesus. a little while ago so he's been you know in trouble here <laughs> this is great though i just saw this bloody elbow at bloody elbow former ufc champ tj dillashaw opens juice bar called clean juice <laughs> Well, Come on,
0: yeah, uh, <laughs> clean juice. Um, I don't know. <laughs> why, I, why did you know? Why? I, I just wish I could figure out and get inside. They they've got to know, Chris, and you you know this. You're smarter than I am. I've said that a million times. Um, I just wonder what drives these guys to do this. They know nothing good can happen of it. I really, I believe, I want to believe that. TJ Dillashaw, your famous, your 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 uh, <laughs> famous friend John Jones. Why these guys? And it, it's not just the UFC. There's guys that cheat in all sports. I mean, Chris's favorite athlete of all time has got to be Rafael Palmeiro, who's been on juice since about 1989. So, still can't find his testicles here in 2019. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Um, I just wonder sometimes why they have to feel that they have to do this. I. I you can see pictures, and I think I've showed you pictures of Barry Bonds in 1989 versus Barry Bonds when he was in, in late in his career in the early 2000s with the Giants. He looked three times bigger than he was as a scrawny little outfielder when he started in Pittsburgh in the late 80s. and he And he balloons to, you saw him, and he couldn't even, sometimes it didn't look like he could even swing with that big torso and those big shoulders. Tell me that. We as a society are so stupid that we can't realize and can't see that somebody's juicing. I mean, I think it's probably harder on pitchers because I never really realized how many pitchers, especially Roger Clemens was juicing because Clemens threw hard going back to when he started at the University of Texas. But I I just I guess I'd like to and I, I can't relate to this because I'm I don't I'm not an athlete at these kind of levels that these guys are playing. I can't correlate some of the decisions and i i would imagine sometimes when they're in the minor leagues and they don't think they're going to make it maybe they start it to maybe enhance their chances of going up you know to the to the real to the real you know the high paying leagues the major league baseballs the nbas the nfls the 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 uh, ufcs of the fight world but still is it just incredulous to me and again i i can't relate to what these athletes are going through because I've, I've never played at that level, but I just can't understand why these guys can't figure out the great risks that they're taking to enhance their careers and what they think they're enhancing, enhancing their careers.
1: I hate when you say like, Oh, like Barry Bonds was juicing. And then someone says like, Oh yeah, well juicing doesn't help you hit a baseball. It's like, He already knew how to hit a baseball, and then he juiced, so then it was like this ridiculous thing. Exactly. Yes, you're right. It doesn't make you be able to hit a baseball any better, but when you give it to a guy who already can hit it, then it's ridiculous. So anyway. Does
0: Barry, excuse me, but does Barry Bonds, let me, for those people, and Chris just brought up a great point, those people that juice can't make you hit a baseball. Let me just throw this at you. Does Barry Bonds get to 762 career home runs without juicing? There's not a there's not a snowball's chance in hell. There's no way, folks. Barry Bonds, at the best, at the best, when he wasn't juicing, he was going to be a 30, 30 to thirty five home run guy. When he came up with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he was about 185 pounds, and he was about five ten, maybe five eleven. If you have a uh, you know, if you have a uh, PR director or your clubhouse guy that's a little willy nilly with the ruler, maybe. He's six foot, but no more than 185 pounds. And there is no way in God's green earth without juice, Barry Bonds gets to 762 career home runs. I would argue
1: that with anybody. Oh, yeah. He was playing in the major leagues already. He was a toothpick. And
0: when he he played at Arizona State, he had over a 400 batting average one year of his years at Arizona
1: State. He knew how to hit a baseball. He just needed to hit the baseball farther. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, you might have heard that Roberto Luongo retired this week. 19 years, I heard. Yes. So, of course, he has a very famous Twitter account that he originally started as an anonymous account. It's called Strombone at Mm Strombone1. And for many years, there was... uh, It's a picture of a goalie with a question mark. And for many years there was like people didn't know for sure whose twitter account this was oh okay and so he would just make these funny tweets and everyone's like who is this end up being luongo but anyway so here's what he says and you can appreciate a lot of this tweet a lot i know you can because i got a text regarding this a little uh, while ago from you so here's what uh, Robert luongo said uh, about five hours ago retirement has been great so far Currently at a dance competition at Disney World. I get to sit and watch dance for six hours straight, SOS. After that, we get to go to the park and stand in line for two hours, SOS, SOS. In the blistering heat and humidity, SOS, SOS. To go on a two-minute ride, SOS. Help! SOS, SOS, SOS.
0: (laughs) Oh, I have spent most of the month of... Well, all year, all calendar school year. So starting in September. And that's when dance season starts for my daughter but april and may and into june are the competition and recital months and uh i sent a text last week after friday night and saturday night were spent the whole night were spent at dance recitals signifying the end of my daughter's dance season so uh, very appreciative of that i have a question for you in regard to luongo very simple One of the easiest questions, or one of the the simplest questions I think I've ever asked. Ready? Here it comes. Hall of Famer, Roberto (laughs) Luongo.
1: Oh, boy. That's, uh... No, that's not an easy one.
0: No, I don't think... But I'm just saying, the the length of the question. That's all I'm saying. The length of the question. Hall of Famer. There it is. Hall of Famer, question mark. Hmm.
1: Do, 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 I, I guess do, he leaned towards no. How many game he he made it to game seven with the Canucks of the final, it didn't win. Boy. That was against Boston eleven, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Hasn't won anything, but maybe a couple golf memberships down no. at the Florida Panthers. I, I,
1: you know, I'd have to look at his numbers more closely, but I don't know. Why would you? No, I'd have to. At first, you have to think because he's been a big name for a long time. But if you really think about, it, I don't. He was solid for a long time. Almost won a cup. Was you know. One game away. Uh, I don't think I, not, I don't know. I, I, I can't. So. I you know what? Here's the thing. I can't. I can't make a case for him to be in the Hall of Fame. So correct. I guess I, I
0: I don't think uh, now. Do you, now? Here's 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 something, and and maybe you'd be able to correct me if I'm wrong in regard to Roberto Luongo. But was Roberto Luongo the winning goaltender for Team Canada in Olympic competition? Whether it be at salt lake city in 2002 or wherever it was in 2000 whatever uh, he was definitely
1: on some of the teams but I'm, was he the winning goaltender the and does that go into the
0: consideration in regard to is he a hall of famer oh, oh. does that go into consideration i don't know
1: i'm it's, asking you i think it might because it is the hockey hall of fame not Correct. the nhl hall of fame Correct. but i mean Correct. You're, you're on those stacked teams I, mean, it I, could tender, I could win a goaltender.
0: I could win as the gold... No, I'm being facetious, but a lesser qualified goaltender, like probably a three or four of the goaltenders in the Calgary Flames chain right now, could win a gold medal with those forward lines and those defense pairings in front of them. So...
1: No, I, I have to say no. I have, I, I, I top I, of the
0: head, just I, literally off the top of my head, great career in regard to he's been compensated, he's had longevity... But I don't think he's a Hall of Fame. No, now I'm adamant. No, definitely not. Sounds good to me. I had to think about it. Welcome to this uh, 362nd episode (laughs) of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, our Freeform Friday edition. And Chris is going through our Twitter page, and I'll let him get right back at it.
1: Okay. I had to... So this is not an Onion headline. I had to do some research, make sure this wasn't a joke or just exaggerating or... But... uh, Because this guy was in line for... They were estimating he was going to sign a big contract uh, this offseason for 10 to $12 million a year type thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll just, this is what it says, and this is absolutely true. Darren Collison abruptly retires from NBA to focus on life as a Jehovah's Witness.
0: Yeah, I've heard that, and I'm still scratching my head. Um, that is a real loss for the Indiana Pacers because they have lost Tyreek Evans in the offseason to a three-year ban from the NBA. Because some of the bullshit he was doing. And I don't know the extent of everything that Tyreek Evans or Tyreek Evans or whatever his name is. But he has been banned from the NBA. From NBA competition for three years. He was one of the point guards. This is the second point guard for the Indiana Pacers. And now he's going to dedicate his life to Jehovah's Witness. Um, admirable. But he's probably leaving $60 million on the table. Is that Admirable. I think that's stupid.
1: Well, why don't you just make that money and then give a bunch of money to your church then? Make
0: that money, and you know, by that time, he'll be well past his prime if he ever did have a prime in the NBA. This guy was a good player, don't get me wrong. To play at the NBA level for as long as he has, good player, no question. Played at UCLA. But um, wouldn't he do more for his quote-unquote calling if he could bring some more money to the Jehovah Witnesses peoples or yeah. their, their, or whatever else they call them, alumni, uh, followers, I don't know what the hell you call them. I've got some other names, but I won't use those because that would be disrespectful. I, I, I get tired when they come to your door. Seemingly on Saturday morning and you're having a cup of coffee or a hot chocolate and all of a sudden here's some guy <coughs> knocking at your door at you know, 9 o'clock on Saturday morning wanting to preach the word. Go preach somewhere else.
1: Yeah. I remember when some old lady was dragging her poor daughter around one, like about 15 years ago. And I answered the door and, and, uh, I, I basically told her she was stupid and she's like, Oh, well, you know, you're too young to understand what that runs like. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, uh
0: <laughs> I had a buddy once that, uh, these guys knocked on his door at about 9:30 in the morning and, we were, there was, no, I wasn't there, but there was a big party and people are hung over everywhere. And, you know, and, and, uh, you know how that is after a big party that lasts all night, people end up on the floor and on the couch and wherever places, bathtubs. And, uh, he invited the two guys to come in and have a drink with him. She never move. I guess the story is they never move. fast, never saw him move faster than that to get the <laughs> hell out of Dodge. <laughs> so,
1: um, yeah, you bother me, I'm going to bother you. That's funny. All right, this was kind of an interesting story. I think you might find this interesting. So David Payne Purdom at David Purdom. In May, more money was bet at New Jersey Sportsbooks than Nevada Sportsbooks. It's the first month that's ever happened. $318.9 million was bet in May at New Jersey Books. $317.4 million was bet in May at Nevada Books. So $1.5 million more at New Jersey Books. Why would that be? Well, the, there's a guy here, Brad Powers at Brad, Brad Powers 7, He said there are several reasons why this is happening, uh, including New Jersey's population edge. Uh, but for me, one factor is the superior betting options in Jersey. For example, uh-huh. in Jersey, I can wager on 130 college football season win totals right now in Vegas. Maybe 30 teams instead of 130. So he's saying uh, Jersey more is opportunity, yeah, and and more people as well. So that's interesting. I've I've never been to Atlantic City. Have no,
0: and neither have I. And and I find that funny because there aren't as many casinos, obviously, mm-hmm. in New Jersey as there are in the Las Vegas Valley. And you've heard on this program many times that there are 76 registered casinos in the Las Vegas Valley. So um, I'm surprised by the more opportunity in New Jersey. I know the population is based in regard to residents of the state of New Jersey, but you never count that as the population base in Nevada, because how many people are three-day tourists? I mean, are three or four-day tourists. So some of those things are incredulous to me, but I think that the guys at the at the books in Vegas will take considerable look at uh, that one yeah. example that you showed with 130 uh, choices versus only 30 in in Vegas. Uh, I don't think Vegas likes playing second banana to anybody. No. So there's going to be some interesting boardroom meetings here. Next couple of days, weeks, months in Las Vegas to get that number. They never want to be second banana to Jersey. No, not, nobody no. wants to be second banana <laughs> in Jersey.
1: That's true, but no, I, I, and I think they'll respond. Vegas usually does things right. I know for for example, the World Series of Poker is going on right now, and everyone just agrees. Like nobody runs things like Vegas. They they are really on the ball. And if they do make a mistake, they correct it. Daniel who mentioned that on his uh, Vlog last night about how even if they get something wrong, they listen to people, they fix it, and they get it right. And so Vegas is good for that. So I hope they respond here. Uh, A couple more things about this same topic because I find this interesting and I think you do too. Mm -hmm. So uh, for example, David payne Purdom also mentioned, uh, here's a list of the Nevada Casino's net winnings in May by different category. Blackjack, I'm going to round up. Blackjack, 90 million. Craps, 40 million. Roulette, 35 million. Baccarat, 55 million. Sports, 11 million. Penny slots three hundred million.
0: You're kidding.
1: Put another way, here. Let's put another way. Darren Revelle, Darren Revelle. Money that Nevada has made over the last twelve months. I'll just give you two. Uh. Sports gambling three hundred ten million. Uh. Penny slots three point three billion. Oh my God. They make ten times as much off penny slots than they do on all of sports gambling. Why do you think there's so many slot machines? Well, that's just penny slots. I
0: get that, and and the reason is, I think part of it is is the recession is not over in regard to people don't have as much liquid the big boys the big gamblers that would be at your table and the daniel nagranu tables and stuff like that will always have capital to do their business stuff but tourists don't have as much liquid um, money available at their disposal i believe i mean because with those numbers, that seems to me that those numbers are taken from a local Vegas casino where most of the patrons are locals that are on a fixed budget in regard to gambling. So there obviously isn't as much, you know, uh, money lying around for people to use, in, in, and they still got to get their fix. They're just doing it in lesser increments now. I be, I'm amazed by that number in regard to penny slots. You know, when I started going to casinos. I was legally able to go into casinos in 1980, 80, well, 87 would have been my 21st birthday. So, yeah. No, no. you're born in 64. 64. My so 85. 85. So I was close. 85 would have been my first legal year of being able to go into casinos. And there weren't, there were not penny slots. The The lowest you could get was five and ten. You could get a five. Well, the
1: trick is penny slots. Most people play 20 lines. Well, so it's really I get 20 that, but, but
0: still, it's lesser to take the loss in regard to losing, regardless of how many lines you play, if you're playing only a penny. I bet... Oh, yeah, you can I bet, sit
1: there forever then. Exactly.
0: Man. That's what I'm saying. You can probably afford to sit at a penny machine, regardless of how many lines you're playing, obviously, for a lot longer than you can even on a quarter machine. So... Um, I think because of the change, the economic climate maybe has something to do with it. But I am just flabbergasted when you tell me about the revenue streams uh, of $3.3 billion for penny machines. That's I, I'm incredulous to that. That's amazing. Eh?
1: Okay, Eric Elper at that. Eric Elper, what's an adult problem nobody ever prepared you for?
0: El, an, an An adult problem that nobody ever prepared me for. Um, you're so that so they're they're talking in that regard about what my parents didn't tell me in regard
1: to just just where I am now. And as a kid, you never got like, you know, how to handle children, yeah,
0: how to handle kids. You know, when you're a smart mouth, smart ass, you know, everything teenager, you think you got the world by the balls. You know what? You can party all night and get up and still make it to work the next day. Um and, and that goes into your early 20s. I think once you get into your mid-20s, you start to realize a little bit that uh, your liver is going to be damaged if you continue going at that pace, but I never realized how difficult it is to raise children. No one ever gave me a... And, you know, I didn't have the best examples either. I mean, they were fighting a lot. Um, uh, obviously, one was, you know... They were fighting a lot and I saw some things that I didn't need to see. And uh, so raising kids and, and how to answer kids' questions. You know, certain things in life like paying your rent and, and ultimately then going on to pay your mortgage and all that other stuff, those are things that are life lessons that you learn gradually or the bank will teach them to you quite quickly or your landlord. But how to deal with kids has to be for me because you, you can't anticipate the questions that they're going to ask and how you're going to answer those questions, and how different those answers would be in 1980 versus how what those answers would be in 2019. That would be my biggest one.
1: Yeah, that one doesn't apply to me. So I would say for me, I, I would say for me, it's just that I always assumed that companies to exist have to have like smart people and know what they're doing. And no, most companies are a joke and they're run by morons who have no idea what they're doing and they're assholes. And it's pathetic. I got to tell you a
0: story. I'm glad you brought that up and thank you for doing so. I don't remember the number, but I bitched about a company here in Calgary that screwed me over because they wanted me to have less life experience. They wanted a younger guy. Well, I've got an update about that company. Oh wow. Okay. Those bastards hired a, a, a inexperienced younger guy and they got what they paid for. I was talking to my friend who happens to be the engineer for the engineering consulting firm working with this construction company on a job and my friend told me he is the biggest idiot he's ever seen. He has no idea what he's doing but this company got what they wanted. They got a moron at their price instead of dealing with somebody like me that had a little bit of an idea what they were doing and wouldn't have, at the beginning I wouldn't have had to take my normal salary but they decided to go ahead with a younger, cheaper, moron model, and they
1: got exactly what they paid for. And
0: I'm so happy to report
1: that. It's amazing. I mean, I've worked for like 30 companies in my life, and I think two knew what they were doing. It's unbelievable. Like, it's just crazy. Well, I got
0: another story. Oh, sure. Go for Real it. Real quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a guy that is an engineer, a brand new, freshly new minted uh, engineer. And, uh, so he, in, and, he's a, um, um, uh, he works on the, he's a, a, a um, I want to say mechanical engineer, but he works on the, on the, uh, the construction side. So I want to say, um, what kind of engineer would civil? he be? Civil engineer. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. He is a civil engineer. Got his first job about six months ago with this company that my buddy works, an engineering consulting firm here in Calgary. This guy has already quit his job because he stayed there too long. He wanted a new adventure after six months. Now I know you've been te- schooling me the last how many years we've been together about, and you've and you're right, you're absolutely right that this next generation will have a number of careers before they call it a career, whereas my generation, it wasn't it wasn't uh, strange when some guy would spend. 35 years and get a gold watch and then kick him to the curb yeah. but here's this new engineer and he's been at this company six months and my friend was like just incredulous that this guy would uh you know he's got a good job with a good salary he's now on full benefits yada 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 and he wants to go and and uh find his calling somewhere else
1: yeah, people don't realize how rare it is to find a good company, and they think they're going to find this magical job that pays them a million dollars a year, and and they're they're gonna. I wish, and and even I, I wasn't like that, and I still had to learn that the hard way, and it was it was brutal at times. So, uh, yeah, that's that's too bad. I, I'm already seeing that uh, for like newer people at my job. I work for an amazing company, yeah. and I'm finding that the new people are just, you know, they might have some issue, and then think they want to look somewhere else. And I just say, I can't tell you how grateful I am for this job and how most companies you work for are just bullshit. And they're just, they have no idea what they're doing. They're full of morons. And if, you, and if you do well or you work hard or you're successful, they just find that as a threat and that makes them look bad. And where I work now is just the opposite and it's really special. So I try to make sure that they uh, have gratitude for what they've got. Because if they leave right now, uh, I'm just going to reword this tweet and make it real simple. It's inspired by GBP Daily at GBP Daily. Who's your favorite packer of all time?
0: Hmm. Favorite Packer of all time. Um, hmm. Great question. Um, th- I mean, I, 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 you know, how many candidates do I have? Um, I'm gonna limit it to three, I think. Um, Aaron Rodgers is one of my favorites. Well, we need to
1: have a number one though, even if you give us. Three, okay, then. all right, all right. Has to have a favorite. All right, all
0: right. Um, I, I'm gonna give you three, and then I'll give you, then I'll end up giving you one. In no particular order right now until I get these three out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved wide receiver James Lofton back in the day. James Lofton, uh, unfortunately, was between Coach Lombardi and Coach Holmgren. He was part of the 29 years of crap, but he is a Hall of Famer. And when he was in Green Bay before he got in trouble doing stupid things with people in in uh, stairways, that was really weird back in the 70s or early 80s, that was dumb, but... When he played for the Packers, to watch this Olympic athlete stride up and down the field was really something to watch. Um, too bad, uh, you know, a lot of circumstances in Green Bay at the time, but he ultimately is a member of the Packers Hall of Fame. He's also a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. James Lofton is in the top three. Uh, another favorite Packer of mine um, is Reggie White. Uh, Reggie White, because here was a guy... Uh, huge in the community, but in, for Green Bay, this was huge because here was a a name African American player that would actually come come to small town Green Bay, and he, along with Ron Wolf, Brett Favre, uh, the president of the team at the time was a gentleman by the name of Bob Harlan, and Mike Holmgren really saved the Packers organization. There is no question about it. I would argue this with anybody. About this, I truly believe that the Packers at this time in the late 80s in the midst of the 29 years of crap had no leadership. They were rudderless. They were going nowhere. Um, Unbelievably poor teams. Ron Wolf came in and and did a wonderful job. But um, I believe that there was some rumblings in Green Bay that possibly um, the team could be sold to a private entity. And that's the honest to God truth. And that's before the renovation in the 90s, and that's obviously before the renovation in the 2000s that, that to, the cor- to the current stadium as it is now. But uh, there was some real crap going on in Green Bay. And Reggie White brought credibility, but he brought his African-American brothers with him in regards to if Reggie White can play in Green Bay, then other guys he led, like Keith Jackson came to Green Bay and guys that never would have come. So that's why Reggie White was important to me. Besides, he was probably arguably one of the greatest defensive ends of all time besides what he did to help the cultural stigma in green bay and the number 3 on my list is Aaron Rodgers. Uh Aaron Rodgers is what he is today. Yes, he's had some problems in this off season with some teammates but um Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers folks gives us a chance to win every week and there aren't a lot of guys in this league that you can say that about. I think you can say that about Drew Brees. I think you can say that obviously about Tom Brady. Uh, Peyton Manning in his day I mean Aaron Rodgers has worked a lot of years in Green Bay and that's why you always hear me bitch about you've had now 28 years of, of Favre and Rodgers as the quarterback of the Packers and yet only two championships one of each and that's because of poor defenses that is because of poor defenses folks Aaron Rodgers has really had nobody on that other side of the ball hopefully we're starting to say see some change in that regard with Brian Gutekunst but Aaron Rodgers kept us at the top of the NFL uh, power rankings, or as Chris likes to say, the standings. And if he would have had some help on the other side of the ball, I really believe that the Packers, especially in 2011, when they started and, and ended the year at 15-1, and one, that was a hell of a football team, but they just didn't have enough defense. And ultimately, you can't blame Aaron Rodgers for that. But overall, of the three that I mentioned, obviously the order goes James Lofton, Reggie White,
1: Aaron Rodgers. As in Lofton's Rogers, number Rodgers is number one. Oh, Rodgers is number Rodgers okay. is my
0: favorite Packer of all
1: time. Okay, wow. Okay, I just thought you'd like this picture of Minnesota Vikings popcorn. I just want you to know that you can't eat it because it's an extreme choking hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, like that.
0: I do like that very much. Yeah. I like that very, very much.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, Dave Weasel at Dave Weasel. Someone called me a liberal Hollywood elite. Dude, I'm from a small Manitoba town where people brush their teeth by smoking a menthol cigarette.
0: I yeah, or drinking. I know, I know some guys that are trades. They're electricians that are originally from um, what's? Um, oh goddamn it! What's his name? Theron Fleury's original hometown Oxford is Flynn, Saskatchewan. Is it that? W- which one's from Flin Flom, Manitoba? Is that Bobby Clark?
1: Maybe. yeah. Somebody's from right. Flim Flon, Manitoba. Right, actually.
0: I know three brothers from Flim Flon, Manitoba that now live out here in Calgary. And a lot of times when I knew them, I don't know them anymore. Big drinkers. They'd wake up in the morning. Oh, fuck brushing my teeth. I'm just going to have a shot of whatever they were drinking the night before and just start over.
1: So yeah, it's crazy. Actually, I, I know that my sister's married to a guy from Flin Flan. Really? Although he's nothing like that at well, all. Well, no, you I know, I wouldn't think very your, smart your engineer. Your parents but, yeah.
0: wouldn't. Your parents wouldn't raise somebody like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Who's your favorite current NFL player that does not play for your favorite team? Who's your favorite non-Packer right now in the NFL? Von Miller. I love really? Von Miller.
0: I think Von Miller is a difference maker. I love the way he plays um they are you know another year with him and Bradley Chubb that Denver defense I do like you know what I I it's amazing to me what defensive players can can actually do in the NFL with all the rules that are so offensive driven now especially as corners and secondary people and now inside linebackers have to be able to cover as well with backs and tight ends out of out of the backfield I love what Vaughn Miller brings to the game. He brings a different aspect to it. He's double and triple teamed a lot of the times and still is a difference maker. I probably didn't expect me to say something like that, but everybody says an offensive player, and that's the cool thing to do. But defensive players, especially difference makers like this guy, I think you can put in uh, Aaron, uh, the guy from Donald. the Rams, Aaron Donald. I like to watch him play football because... All of the rules in football today are driven for offensive productivity, and these guys throw those plans right out the window with the way they play football, and it's nice to be able to talk about a defensive guy.
1: I love Aaron Donald as well, although like I'm kind of a default Rams fan. I don't have a hardcore favorite team like you or Greg, but, I, uh, but if I had to say a non-Ram, like Aaron Donald comes to mind as a Ram, but... Other, I'd have to really think about that. I'm going to start my real fantasy football research for and uh, betting research for the year in the next couple of weeks here probably, and I'll come up with one there. But right now, that's a, that's a hard question. So uh, credit to you for. Answering that. Okay, so now you probably saw this. This was everywhere, but uh, Barstool Sports at Barstool Sports had this one. But this guy turned down fifteen hundred dollars from Cam Newton to give up a seat with extra leg room.
0: Yeah, I re- I read that, and and
1: uh, ten hour I, flight to Paris or London. I think Paris maybe
0: somewhere in Europe. That ten Doesn't hour matter. But a ten hour flight probably from JFK or in his case maybe Atlanta. But doesn't matter. Um, the guy, uh, uh, Cam Newton, as I understand it. Uh, offers the guy $1,500 for extra leg room on his seat, and the guy says no. Um, Might have been a rich guy. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But why, well, I'm hoping that that uh, Newton's in first class regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a little surprised by that. Um, but hey, the guy's got to sit there for the 10 hours as well, just like Cam Newton does. So, And I agree, he's probably a wealthy guy that $1,500 ain't going to make a difference, and it's worth it for him He's probably a taller guy too. Probably worth it for him on that long flight to have the extra leg through. Him. So Cam, go screw yourself. <laughs> when you when you order or when you make a reservation on your next flight, pick a better seat. <laughs> there you go.
1: Okay. So there's three more s- tweets I want to do here. Okay. So the takeout at the takeout. What a burger. No longer the sole province of Texas. I now look, there's always this debate about what the best burgers are for fast food. I've had In N Out in Vegas. I've yep. had Shake Shack. I've had uh Bobby's Burger Palace, Bobby Flay, mm-hmm. excellent as well. So my favorite for flavor, and it's not one of the bigger size-wise burgers, but my favorite taste-wise burger in the world is Shake Shack. I mean, Shake Shack, have you have you been to Never Shake been Shack? Never been to Shake Shack. Like the I don't know, it's the seasoning or something they put on the beef is out of this world. Like mm-hmm. the, the burgers are so good, and they're definitely on the smaller side compared to a, a lot of the other ones. But right,
0: right. for
1: flavor. I just I don't know what it is. Where did
0: you have Shake Shack? Vegas.
1: Oh, that's in Vegas. Oh yeah, they're right next to New York, New York, right by the T-Mobile Arena. Yep. Yeah, so it's so I mean that's a highly regarded one. I've had in and out. I remember when my wife and I had In-N-Out burger, uh we went in Vegas. I think it was like, you know, just for supper and we just went there and it's like, okay, this is good, whatever. But the reason people rave about it, and I'm convinced of this, people go to Vegas for a vacation, they go out drinking, they get completely wasted, they don't eat for a long time, they're starving, it's 4 in the morning, and they're freezing cold and just want to go home to bed, and you eat anything, and it's the best thing you've ever had. So I think that's why In-N-Out is so highly rated, even though it's fine, there's nothing wrong with it. But I've never had Whataburger, which is... A lot of people say it's their number one, and I know it's big in Texas, and I know you live in in Texas. Uh, So... Um, first of all, thoughts on Whataburger? JJ Watt, your buddy from Wisconsin the yep. other day said that they have their own ketchup that's amazing apparently. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what are your thoughts on Whataburger and what's your favorite hamburger?
0: Not a fan of Whataburger, so I won't even take on JJ Watt there. JJ should know better than this being from the state of Wisconsin. The best burger I've had period from a fast food establishment ever is a company called Culver's. Culver's is expanding now, finally. They were based in Wisconsin for years, and they finally are starting to expand southwest. They go as far as Utah to the west. I want them to get into Nevada. I want them to get into, Colorado, into California. South they go, I believe, as far, because my mother has talked about getting a Culver's in her Orlando home. So obviously they've expanded that way. But Culver's uh, originated in a city in Wisconsin called Sauk City wisconsin which is eight miles south of baraboo wisconsin where my mother's family originates from and about 30 miles north of madison wisconsin which where is the university of wisconsin they have these butter uh, uh burgers that are just outstanding and um like you with uh shake whatever uh culver's is number one in my little world by far i've had in and out they're good
1: they don't hold a candle to Culver's. That's fine. But just in terms of flavor. Culver's. Consider trying Shake Shack. It's incredible. And again, it's not going to blow you away for size or anything like that. But just the flavor of the beef is so- it, something else. But it's
0: only down on the strip. They don't have I don't know. All, I, I mean, uh, when you're there, you don't
1: go out to Jack's house. So you wouldn't no. know what
0: I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is if they had a place, you know, in the outlying area. They might. I don't know. I, I'd have to look into yeah. that. Yeah, Shake, Shake Shack. Okay. Shake
1: Shack. So this is one of the, probably the one, arguably the greatest female poker player of all time. Her name, and this is her real name. She's Asian. It's Maria Ho. So you can say whatever you want. But anyway. I knew No, you'd like it. come uh, on. Maria Ho and Maria Ho. Really nice uh, lady and very, very talented poker player. I just thought this would be good. I thought you might appreciate this. She says, when you open your freezer and realize it says everything people need to know about you. And inside her freezer, she has a couple bottles of booze and some ice cream and some chicken fingers. No question. I couldn't
0: agree with that more. It's amazing when you open people's refrigerator and, and you know, you're just going in there to grab something or you, you know, whatever, you're at a party and when, it's amazing what you find in people's, like my brother-in-law Sid, his freezer is stacked to the to the nines you couldn't have any more food and he's got one of these big sub-zero which is a very big brand name an expensive brand name but it's got a refrigerator on the side and a freezer on this side and both of them are stacked to the gills with anything and everything you could think of um i remember going into during my young days where i would have and this was about right um i was a huge peanut butter and jelly so i had to have jelly in the fridge Peanut butter in the cupboard, and there would be some alcoholic beverage. That might be all. And, of course, my Pepsi's in the morning. So I'd have Pepsi, some alcoholic beverage, and jelly or jam for sure. Um, That was it. It is amazing. Um, You can tell the health freaks. You can tell the people that don't give a damn about their appearance. Like my brother, his family, they don't do leftovers. What do you mean they don't do leftovers? Whatever's left from that meal's night gets thrown out. They don't wow. do leftovers. Wow, um, I don't even know if they cook. I know for a long, longest time, my brother, brother's wife did not cook. They order so every out every day, night? order night,
1: every night, order out every night. Ever have just sandwiches at home or something? Mm,
0: I don't know, no. but you know, most of the time they were going out to eat or having it sent in. Wow. So um i couldn't agree with that statement more from from the the female poker player and i won't make fun of your name because (laughs) i
1: agree with you one thousand percent awesome okay last tweet of the day here always like to end with the onion so the onion at the end and and i really appreciate this tweet i just i think this is brilliant because i i think I, i might appreciate this more than almost anyone and i had really smart grandpas at least well one of them for sure but i'll just say it here see what you think grandfather's advice pretty bad for someone who's lived that long (laughs) <laughs>
0: uh you know um i i, I don't know um <laughs> it's kind of funny a, a very good friend of mine in calgary is a grandfather many times over he's 84 years old and uh as recently as tuesday of this week i had lunch with him and and uh got an full of of uh advice and and uh so i i think grandpas can uh can still offer something i want to believe that uh i want to believe that to every fiber of my body as i've gone through this unbelievable experience of being too old to get a job with a lot of different companies and uh, i believe grandpas have something that they can bring to the table as well and and this guy that i met with as recently as tuesday of this week he certainly uh tuned me up and uh, gave me some thoughts moving forward so grandpas certainly do bring something to the table.
1: I know, I know that. And I know they've got cool stories and they've been through a lot. And especially both my grandpas fought in World War Two, And I get that. I have to say though, that the world is just so different. I mean, my grandparents and my parents, I think were pretty much like the yeah. first, oh, let's go on a date. Oh, let's get married. Okay, that's it. Oh, life is easy. It's like, holy moly. I had to, I was dating for 15 years, 10 of it online. Like, do you know how hard it is to find somebody? Like I can't, but like, can you imagine going to my parents for dating advice? They they didn't date, they never had to do any of this stuff. And then even if they did, they didn't have the internet and online and social media and everything. So it's just the world changes so much. It's not the the grandfather's fault necessarily. It's just the world changes so much. It's not like thousands of years ago or even maybe a hundred or 200 years ago, it, the world didn't move yeah, that far and, and forward and so you could be a little more of a sage.
0: It's a great point you bring up because this example that I just used of this guy that's 84, but he's still working full time. Oh, wow. And he still has better computer skills than I. And and uh, so he, I guess, is a bit of an, an anomaly in the re- in the respect that fathers like Jack, who's been retired now for almost 20 years, you know, you're right, they... They roll into their same little daily routine, and it's it's nothing in regard to dealing with everyday stuff. So, great point there on your end as well. No question, okay. we've got a run on this 362nd uh, episode of Unscripted, our Freeform Friday edition of our little program. A great way to end the week of shows, and uh, you know we get on there, and Chris finds things people are talking about, and it has been a very relaxing, a relaxing way to end the week here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.